Good morning. Okay, our time together this morning will be a little bit different. Don Stuber was scheduled to be teaching. He was uh, working on that. Uh, but the tragic loss of Mark, who is, for those of you who don't know, is, Mar is Don's brother-in-law. Uh, he's also a 30-plus year business partner in farming together. He's his closest neighbor. Uh, he's also a friend. He's been in the family for a long, long time. And so the, the, uh, the tragicness of the loss and everything, we've, we encouraged him, go ahead and give your sermon that you were wanting to give, but let's do it at a later date. This is too much on your plate for right now. Um, and so uh, Doug and Brady will be helping to coordinate something else during that sermon time today. Uh, they, this happened on Friday night, so there hasn't been a whole lot of time for uh, changing things up. So just a reminder, this all, all along for each one of us faces, you know, un unfortunately, tragic circumstances that surprise us greatly. Um, and, they, and nothing gets our attention more than the loss of a loved one in a, in a tragic circumstance. And many of you have experienced that. Uh, all life is precious. It is precious to God who created it, and humans are made in God's image, and because he designed them, they have value and purpose. The Lord of the universe is not indifferent to you and me because we are just one among billions of people. He knows you. He knows me. He knew Mark. He knows Mark. So in Psalm 139, David reminds us some things about the Lord, where he writes in there and he says, O Lord, you have searched me and know me. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You know when I sit down, when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down are acquaint, and you are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. The Lord knows each of us in our circumstances. And it is encouraging to know that God takes an interest in us. And he knows and he loves us in spite of all that he knows about each one of us. Our deepest, darkest secrets and regrets are known to him, as well as our joys. And Christ's death on the cross supplies the mercy and forgiveness we all need when we make him our Savior. Most of us consider our own life to be considered precious. We take care of ourselves quite well. And also the life of our loved ones. And then in there's that second commandment that we went through earlier this year where God indicates that the neighbor or stranger's life that we pass by so quickly, it's also precious to him. The unborn child or the dementia-suffering nursing home patient's life is also precious Yes, even the stranger who yelled at you this week or the person who tried to cause you harm is precious to him. Life is precious. 
Scripture teaches that the Lord does, does not wish that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance, forgiveness, and eternal life. And for those of you who feel deep shame and regret, there is no deep, dark sin that you have done that the mercy of Christ does not cover. Those who come under Christ's forgiveness are deemed by God to be his saints, and they are saints in his eyes because of Christ's atonement. And a saint's death does not go unnoticed by God. In fact, in Psalm 118, it says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Would you join me in prayer this morning? Uh, Heavenly Father, please comfort the family of Mark, all the extended family and friends. He has been a part of this congregation for a long time. Please comfort others here who have also suffered loss and grief or have great regret. Life is precious. Please help us to love others, those that are easy to love, those that are unlovable. We look to you for our wisdom and strength and comfort this morning. Please lead us in our time of worship and fellowship. Please remind us of your goodness and care. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Um, man, so many thoughts to consider. Once your enemy, now seated at your table. Can you imagine that reality for Mark? And I know today is one of those days that just feels like it has us by the throat. I think you know what I mean. It's a day we're choking back tears. It feels futile. And a hug from a friend feels like a lifeline. For those of you who are not aware, even though we've already said it, Mark Fair, a longtime member of NCF, a friend of many and you, many of you, and of supreme importance, a child of God, passed away tragically on Friday. Our hearts are broken and our heads are spinning. And for those of you who weren't close with Mark, I want you just for a moment to think of something, to think of someone whose loss for you was disorienting. You weren't prepared for it. You had no idea it was coming. Okay? I want you to go there in your mind. I want you to think of what that was like. I want you to think of the unsettling nature of what that was like. That's what many people here this morning who were close to Mark are experiencing. I've been in prayer since hearing the news, just asking the Lord over and over and over again. Father, what is it that you want to say to your children this morning? And I think it's simple. 
my desire this morning is to share hope and comfort. It's the kind of hope and comfort that only a sovereign, loving Father can provide. I just have three basic considerations for us today, and they are simple. Number one, faith can have questions. Number two, suffering is allowed to hurt. And number three, his mercies will be new. So number one, faith can have questions. We see all throughout the pages of Scripture and various other places through the Psalms over and over and over again that the person of faith is not only allowed to have questions when tragedy strikes, he's encouraged to voice them. Psalm 10 verse 1 says this, Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Or Psalm 13.1 says this, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? You see, faith is not the absence of questions. It's actually questions directed at a source that will ultimately answer. Faith is saying, I trust what I cannot see. I trust someone that I cannot fully understand. It's a dangerous place to not have any questions and to have them all answered. And so faith can have questions. You may say, well, how, does, how do we get this from Jesus? How do we know this from his life? I just think Jesus models this for us. In his hour of greatest suffering as the cross was approaching and he was going to pay for your sin and for mine and for all of humanity, he decides to let people in. He brings the disciples with them and in Matthew 26, he's on the road. He's walking up to Gethsemane. He's, he's getting ready to wrestle with God over what is his assignment and what he's about to experience. We can pick it up in Matthew 26, starting in verse 36. It says this, Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray, and taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came back to his disciples and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. So here's Jesus at his greatest moment of suffering. And he's not doing the Lone Ranger thing. He's actually taking people to the epicenter of pain and he's saying, I want you to watch with me. I want you to be with me in this place. And they failed. 
They took a nap. And so we have a great and tremendous responsibility. People who are walking into the fair family, walking into a great deal of suffering. And some of us are going to mishandle that. And here we have the example of Jesus. Just because some are going to mishandle doesn't mean that all don't get the privilege of being let in. So faith can have questions. Jesus acknowledged God's plan despite his pain. It's so critical. Timothy Keller once said this, that Job never got to see the why behind his suffering, but he saw God, and that was enough. The answer to the suffering that we're trying to wrestle with this morning, we may never know fully, and that's all right. Number two, suffering is allowed to hurt. And I just want to say it this way. No one here, at least I hope not, is asking you to snap out of it. If you're sad, if you're having a difficult time processing the very stark and tragic reality of someone whom we love passing before it was naturally time, it's okay. We're not rushing that. There's not a playbook here. There's not a let's move past this so we can get on to the other things in life. It's okay to sit in sadness. Staying there long term is something that your salvation will actually help you out of. You say, well, how do we see this in Scripture? Well, you see it in John chapter 11. Jesus had been doing tons of ministry and miracles, and he is now at the point where he is um, coming back from saying this really powerful, like, I am the resurrection, I am the life, and we see Lazarus passes away, a good friend of his. And he does nothing for four days. He stays where he's at. And you're like, Jesus, what are you doing? You should be rushing to the comfort of the family. But Jesus knows that Lazarus will be raised again. And if you read in verses 33 through 36 of chapter 11, you, you see this. He, he's arriving back to the scene with Mary and Martha, and he says, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And then verse 35, if you're like, I can't memorize anything, this is your verse. Jesus wept. Okay, you got it. So the Jews said, and I love this, see how he loved him. So I want you to think for just a minute about this idea that in, in our culture, feeling pain, feeling sadness of a tragic loss is sometimes um, people don't know what to do with it. Your discomfort makes me uncomfortable, therefore I'm not comfortable being in your presence. Can I just urge you for a moment by the Spirit of God to sit with someone in the pain and sadness that they're facing without a word and just be present? Sometimes the dumbest things are said when we think we can offer a word. I often think of how Jesus didn't come to fix me. He came to be with me. 
It's the primary promise that Isaiah gives us. Emmanuel, God with us. I want you to think of these phrases. It says, when Jesus saw. Okay, Jesus sees our hardships. This goes beyond the tragedy that we're facing right now. And then it says he was deeply moved and troubled. Actually, the verb tense in the Greek, when it gets to this idea of being troubled, it connotes this idea that Jesus was like shaking. Have you ever been with someone who is in such deep grief that they're shaking? Do you know what to do with that? That's what's what's happening. That's what Jesus is doing. He knows he's raising Lazarus from the dead, and he's still trembling. He's still trembling. He's still deeply sad. And then it says that Jesus wept, and the evidence pointed this Jewish crowd of, of professional mourners to look at him and say, look at how he loved this guy. So it wasn't the words that Jesus said. It was his whole body, soul, and spirit being wrapped up in the grief at the loss of his friends that moved the Jews to say, look at that. So faith can have questions. Suffering is allowed to hurt. God's not afraid of it. He can handle your hurt. And finally, his mercies will be new. In Lamentations 3, starting in verse 22, it says this, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Each morning, I think especially of the fairs, But each morning, we are met with new and varied troubles, aren't we? We are met with things that we don't have an answer for. We are met with this idea of like, I don't know what to do. But there's a few things that we need to remember. His love never ceases, though it feels like it. His faithfulness is great, though it seems like he's abandoned us. And he remains our portion when it feels like all I need is something I don't have. This is what grief does. Grief disorients you. It unlocks something. It trips you up. And it's good and it's right to sit in it. And now, as Brady comes up to lead us in a time of prayer, we're going to realize that one way that you get through grief is that you don't really get through it. It's okay to lament and then at the same time have faith. It's actually what makes faith strong. So pretty. Thanks, Doug. Um, As he said, we're going to spend the next few moments in uh, prayer, and prayer is a gift from God to his people, and through it we can express um, our joys, but also our deepest sorrows, and so we're going to use Psalm 42 this morning to help put to words 
what some of us may be feeling right now. Um, and then we'll end with one more song after I'm done. And during that song, we're actually going to have people in the back available for prayer if you want to take advantage of that. But first, Psalm 42. I want to read a few of these verses for you. Verse 1, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? And finally, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. This guided prayer time uh, will have two parts. The first one is a part of lament, um, of giving our sorrows and our sadness to God. And the second will be a prayer of hope. As Doug said, as followers of Jesus, we know that he suffered and we know that he died, but we also know that he rose again. And therefore, as crazy as that sounds right now, we can have hope in this life. There will be a prompt on the screen to help you pray these. So first, a prayer of lament. Use these verses that will be on the screen in just a moment and repeat them and pray them to God in the quietness of your heart, okay? Or feel free to pray with those around you. Also, feel free to put any other feelings you have in your own words to God. We mourn and we grieve the loss of Mark's passing this weekend. And we also recognize that many of you are going through your own suffering and your own hardship right now. So offer it all up to God, whatever it may be. And as Bill said earlier, life is precious. And God is the giver of life, so we believe he hears and he sees us. Take a moment and pray to him, either by yourself or with a neighbor.
and now a, a prayer of hope. As I said, we follow a man who was raised to life, and we see in this psalm that the psalmist doesn't stay in despair, even though maybe many of you want to right now. You may feel like you don't have any hope this morning. And can I also say, as Doug said, that's normal. And that's a natural response. But I want you to think about these verses and simply ask God to give you, even if it's just a small glimpse of hope, to give you comfort and peace and his perspective. All of this in his perfect timing. So once again, take a few moments and pray to him either by yourself or with a neighbor. Father, even though it may not seem like it right now to some of us, you are good. And we know that to be intellectually true. I pray that we would experience that right now in this moment. Father, we believe that you are with us by your spirit. And we thank you for your son that we can even meet today and preach this message of good news. Despite tragedy, we know this isn't the end. So God, we love you. We thank you for your son. We pray this in his name. Amen.